You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. Matt Prem, Jared Mack. On this Wednesday edition of the pod, um, Oregon had practice on Tuesday. Uh, Jared and I were at practice. It was interesting. Um, we saw a couple new faces. We also really didn't see much in terms of on-field uh, reps. There was a couple things to, to glean. Um from the practice report, uh, we had some injury news or guys that were rehab group, and um, we had sights on some of those new players. We'll talk about those who's arrived. Um, but Dan's keeping things pretty tight right now with, with spring ball. But um, after practice, we did get an opportunity to, to speak with him on um, a wide range of topics. And I, I think we should maybe start with some newcomers. Um, Taishim Johnson mm-hmm. is a guy who transferred from Ole Miss. He is now here. Uh, and we got some, we got some comments from Dan just about just what he can do and, and what he can help with uh, for, for Oregon's defense. Um, Jared, do you want me to read the quote? And then we kind of just give our, our take. Uh, sure. Yeah. You or I could read it. Doesn't matter to me. Go for it. Go for it. If you got it in front of you, go for it. Deal, deal, deal. Uh, yeah. So we asked about Taishim today because it's the, or yesterday, excuse me, because that was the first time we could, uh, and Lanning just replied. He said, a guy that's around the ball makes a lot of plays. Uh, I don't think that we have to look at him exclusively at nickel. I think he's a guy that has position flexibility that we can use in multiple positions. Uh, he's a playmaker who plays with great effort, physical tackler has blitz ability. Uh, so I think all those things are really appealing. Uh, and that's exactly what you saw from Taishim Johnson uh, on tape when you watched his his tape at Ole Miss. Uh, he was a you know a tackler that had or a safety that had over seventy five tackles last season. Uh, that would have led the Ducks. Um, I think you know it's interesting that he says that that they won't exclusively look at him as a nickel uh, safety, yeah. even though I think they should. I think that ha- that's his best position. Uh, he originally committed to Ole Miss as a cornerback, then moved to nickel safety. So he has man-to-man coverage skills, which is really what you want from a nickel safety. Um, there are a few other options on the team that could play nickel safety, but I think Johnson is the best of them all, even though he is just just getting here. This was his first practice at Oregon. And I had a funny moment with him before practice, me and, and Zach Neal of Duckswire. Um we get there early, as I'm sure the, the the listeners here know, to take attendance of who is there and who is not at practice, so we have a better understanding of what we're what we're looking for. And you know, everybody had gone by, and, and Zach Neal and I are just chatting it up. And a player comes down. I, I don't know how to describe it. The aisle that leads from the locker room to the field. And he goes, "Is everybody out there on the field?" 
<laughs> well, like, yeah, no, he's, he, they're out there. And he goes, where's the field? <laughs> so Zach Neal and I, we, we point him towards the field. And it was Tai Sheen, who was zero. He was number zero, which is his new number here, in a green jersey. And uh, it's day one. So it's day one for him. And it looks a lot like a day one for uh, us normal people. Um, but that was a good moment. Uh, it was good to see Taishim on the field. But like Matt, like Matt said earlier, we don't we don't see a lot during our media availability of practice. So uh, it's tough to tell where he would play and how well he did on the field. But again, it is only day one. I do think it was interesting, though, that like you mentioned, Lanning said that he's just not tied to specifically being a nickel. Maybe that is his best position. Um, I agree with you about that's what he looked really good at uh, when he was at, at Ole Miss. But I think that's it – would, it would be poor judgment, I think, by the staff to just basically exclusively look at him as a nickel when maybe he's a, a really good nickel, but maybe he's one of your top two corners and he has to play, you know, in, in, in that position group. I, I don't know. Um, but opening up that door for him to play other spots is good. You like the, the position versatility. Um, and look, this is what we talked about like a couple weeks ago when we were talking about start of spring ball, that there's a lot of new faces here. This is going to be a, you know, it's going to look good at times. And like you said, with, Taishin getting lost and not knowing where the football field is. This is going to be like a lot of day ones. And Dan said that after practice that said, yeah, it was our, our third day of practice, but with some new guys with like a two and a half week break between finals and spring break and the start of the new term uh, for the new quarter for, for the university of Oregon's academic side, you know, it had a little bit layoff and he's like, it kind of was also our first practice again. We, you know, we had some mistakes and we'll see what, you know, that looks like. Um, from Oregon on Thursday and then on Saturday. And then when we speak to Dan again uh, next Tuesday, we'll get a, a better feel for how things have, have progressed there. Um, he also talked a little bit on the defensive side of the football, just maybe some improvements of depth and talent. Um, and it was interesting to see what he was going to give us here. I, I didn't think he would open up as much as he did. And, and he gave us some good stuff. He was asked, uh, where's the depth and talent uh, most different on defense compared to last spring, last season? And his answer was, I think we probably have a lot more quality defensive line and quality DBs. They can play, but I'll be honest, just from top to bottom, I think there's more that can play. And I've said it before, but the more quality depth you have that can play, the more players you can play, and the better you're going to be on defense. Um that was an interesting comment because he's usually not one to like give these overarching praises. And he's out here saying mm -hmm. that the depth is already better. He feels like the potential for the depth is, is already being is better than what it was maybe at this time last year. And a large chunk of that was reflected in who they signed in 2023. You, you look at how many guys up front this group landed 10 players that are kind of considered defensive linemen, uh, you know, a couple linebackers, you know, the front seven got an overhaul this past recruiting class 
And that seems to be reflected upon Dan's comments early on through spring ball, uh, just in the improved depth of that group. I don't, I don't know how much I read into it that Dan is like giving these praises or literally just being factual that they have that a lot more depth on the defensive line now. Because like you said, they have 10 guys in this recruiting class who are you know, defensive linemen or edge rushers, um, and a couple of them are on campus. Uh, I would like to go over just, just who the new arrivals were, uh, sure. at least the new scholarship arrivals were. Um, you had a couple defensive backs and Cody DeCambra and Solomon Davis. Those guys are, are now with the program. Uh, quarterback Matt Rush, University of Washington or Washington University in St. Louis transfer. Uh, Colson Brunner, a long snapper, and then linebacker Jared Mixon. Um, so those are the six new guys that are there. And then going back to, the, to to Dan's point, he did open the press conference with saying that they have more numbers on the defensive side of the football, which we've talked about on this podcast before, yep. than they do on the offensive side of the football. And so I think that's part of it, that Dan is literally just being factual with the fact that, yes, they have more defensive depth than they did last season. But I also agree with them that uh, the defensive depth that they have, at least on paper this season, is a lot more talented than it was last season, um, which I know is hard to believe because last year's Oregon team was, on paper, again, an extremely talented in terms of recruiting um, you know, prowess. They were great on paper, but... You bring in guys like Jordan Birch. You bring in guys like Evan Williams and Tysheem Johnson and Justin Jacobs, who I thought looked good um, at practice the other day. You bring in guys who uh, were also highly recruited, like Mateo Uyunglele. You bring in four or five four-stars on the defensive front. Um, you bring in guys that are talented in positions of need, and a lot of those are on defense, and we know why after watching last season. Um, and I think it makes a whole lot of difference with this team because they needed to add defensive pieces. They needed to add uh, guys who could wreak havoc in the backfield. And I think Dan touched that on that a little bit and basically saying that, yeah, I think we have more guys going into this season on the defensive line that can add more havoc in the backfield. And Oregon still doesn't have all the guys enrolled yet. You still have yep. Roderick Pleasant and Dalen Austin, who are I know are cornerbacks, but – those are really talented players back there. You still have to enroll Blake Purchase, another really talented uh, edge rusher. Um, I mean, there's still guys who can contribute at this stage during spring football, but there's still a lot of talent out there that they still haven't brought in. And they and it's not like they're recruiting them. They have them signed. They just are coming yeah. in during the summer. Um, they're waiting for their so enrollment. Right, exactly. So I think Dan is just kind of numbers talk, and I do think that he means it when he says that this is a more a, a more quality uh, depth chart than it was last season. I just, uh, especially at the defensive line, I think that's a clear improvement. I'll be curious, and this is we won't know this answer until September second when Oregon kicks off the twenty twenty three football season. Um, but just he 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 mentioned how he's he said multiple times how a defense is better when they can play more guys and mm -hmm. kind of do those hockey lineup changes you know especially up front at the front seven. Um, he he talked about later on in in the in the interview with us that um, you know he's not going to make excuses you know but I I I think he wanted to say yes the 
four defensive coordinators and five years or whatever number it was probably made an impact on last year's success or lack of success, but he's like a a non excuse guy. That's an excuse. So I'm not going to say it, but his body language is kind of like, yes, that that factored in, but we'll, we'll be better in year two. Um, I, I think with year two of the system and more guys, I'm just real curious to see how many pl- people play, you know, for the defensive line. How, what what is the number that um, they want every yeah. game to to kind of shuffle through? Is it a two deep at every position, and especially up front in the in, in the defensive line? Is it three guys at each position that they want to be playing? Um, could it could it go to like four lines where you've got three guys? at each spot that you can just, you just shuffle in every couple of plays to make sure guys stay fresh. And then you've got a fourth guy for like a specialty thing. Maybe it's like a pass rusher, you know, or, or, or something that he's only in there when it's third and nine, you know, third and 12 and you need to get to the quarterback mm-hmm. or something. Um, that's where I, I think this spring is important for the defensive line. And we won't know that answer though, until, until fall, but just how big does this number get? Because you look at the, the, the depth chart and you look at the players who are still coming, they could go if these all, if they wanted to, and they're all good enough to play, they could go three or four guys deep at each position. They have the bodies to do that. They do. Yeah. But this kind of goes to what Dan has done at least last season, where he consistently says like, if you're old or if you're good enough, you're old enough, implying yeah. that true freshmen can see the playing field because they are good enough. Uh, and then he goes around and, and doesn't play any of the true freshmen other than like Josh Connerly. Um, so I don't know what that number will be when the season starts. Uh, I do know going back to like my point from la- the, the last time I talked was um, they will have a considerable amount of more talent and depth at the defensive line position than they did last season. And maybe that is what they plan on doing is having hockey shifts because that's what Georgia has done in years past where, and granted, they have also had the luxury of having multiple first-round picks on both their starting defensive front and their backup defensive front, so that's pretty nice. But I don't think Oregon's going to have that. But, yeah, they, they might try to look for an opportunity to sub four guys in and sub four guys out. Um, they'll certainly have different uh, defensive line positional uh, flexibility depending on the down and distance. Um, they now have enough big bodies where – if it's a rundown, they certainly have enough guys that can go out there. Um, passing downs, you now can send Jordan Birch and Mateo Uyunglele off the edge because I think Mateo was probably a better pass rusher than uh, an alternative like Mace Funa uh, or Trevin Mai, who played a lot of edge last season. So not really a stand-up guy, but you know, regardless. Um, but again, you still have guys coming in. Uh, you still have a lot of more, lot more defensive linemen coming in during the summer. Um, but you already see the physical, uh, I guess, impressiveness that guys like Michael Gardner and Johnny Bowens the second have, or is he the third? Johnny Bowens the third, excuse me, that they have on campus. Um, those guys are true freshmen, but they certainly don't look like it. They look like guys like Ben Roberts, um, maybe a little bit like Sir Mel's where they come in and they're just like, oh, okay, you can you can probably see the field. And that wouldn't you wouldn't stick out like a sore thumb if you were out there. Uh, same with someone like Tatum Tuioti, who still probably needs to add weight, but still looks already the part. Um, and you get all these other defensive linemen coming in here, and I think that adds to the mix. Uh, it just depends. I'll go back to the original point I made of whether Dan plays them or not, 
because while it certainly seems like he might be not forced to, but he might be really seriously considering it. Um, it seemed like that at points last season and he just never did. So I think that's something to keep an eye on, but they certainly now have the depth to take five, five guys out and put five guys in at a time now. All right. We'll call an audible here. Um, mm-hmm. It's still along the defensive line, but he landing was asked about like, do you feel like with so many freshmen on the edge, um, the addition of Jordan Birch, do you feel like this team can create more of those havoc plays? If you're unfamiliar with that, that's like sacks, tackles for loss, interceptions, uh, pass deflections uh, on defense. Uh, they, they they weren't nearly as good as maybe expected last season in creating those types of plays. And I'm not going to read the quote, but he said basically yes. Um, and then one of those guys that will play because he's not a freshman is Jordan Birch. And you don't want to make too many overarching you know, assumptions of stuff uh, you know, three days into, into spring football, but landings now had three practices opposed to one. And that it's fair now to ask this kind of question. Just what have you seen from Birch three days into, you know, into practice? And, you know, you've, you've had an off season of workouts with him. You've got film meetings, you know, with him. What's just been your early, you know, assumptions with him. And landing said, when you talk about changing a defense, it starts with having guys with great size up front that have the ability to play and play at a high level. Jordan's done that. Obviously, there's a relationship there before, but really excited about what he can do for our team. He has a demeanor about himself, and I think you, when you see him at practice, you see moves. You say, okay, that's what it's supposed to look like. Um, again, small sample size through practices. They, they've had one in pads. Um, and this kind of maybe segues over to our next topic of just Tosh Lupoy and you know, he'll speak on Thursday, but I'm real curious to hear from, from Dan more on, on Birch, maybe on Tuesday as more days of, of pads have gone by. And also on Thursday of just what Tosh Lupoy thinks, the defense coordinator for Oregon uh, of, of Birch's impact, because if you're going to, if you're going to pinpoint anybody that's going to make an impact um, at this position group, it, it's going to be him and it starts with him because he's a college guy. He's an older guy. He's a, he's a guy that's played before uh, and he's a former five-star recruit. He, he should be the one that makes the biggest impact probably right away. Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, Birch was an impactful guy the last two seasons at South Carolina and South Carolina fans won't necessarily agree with that just because of the expectations that they set for him. Uh, and he never lived up to those expectations, even though they were they were very, very lofty, but he was still a very productive player during his time as a Gamecock. And now coming to Oregon, um, you pair him up with Brandon Dorless, who's an interior havoc wrecker. He had you know 40 plus uh, quarterback hurries last season, so did Birch off the edge. You know, that's a potential for 80 combined quarterback hurries just from two guys. And you look at Birch and you look at his Physical presence. He's a big boy. He's probably the biggest guy in there, or the tallest the, the guy in the defensive front. Um, he's got the length and the mobility to get around the edge. Um, and I think he's just going to be a ton of fun to watch. I'm excited for the first time that we get uh, like any kind of competition periods that we might be able to watch at practice just to see what he looks like. Um, definitely excited for the spring game because then that'll be a full competition period that everybody uh, in Eugene gets to watch and everybody watching from home. But Overall, he's going to be the most impactful. And like Dan said, when it 
when you talk about changing a defense, Jordan Birch is the guy that you look for. Um, I think, unfortunately, Birch is going to get like the Kayvon Thibodeau comparisons because they're both edge rushers yeah. and they both brought in as a guy who could change a defense. Um, they're very different players. They both have the same task of getting to the quarterback, but they're different ty- different types of players. They have different styles to get there. Um, but I don't think anything that Birch does is uh, not great. I really like what I've seen from him on tape. I really like what I see from him just as a as an overall physical physical human being out there on the field. Um, I think that Dan praising him this much is very interesting already. Um, maybe that's just to get Jordan Birch's confidence up, whatever the case may be. But like you, Matt, I'm interested to hear what Tosh Lupoy has to say because Tosh has made a career of coaching defensive ends and coaching them at a very high level is at Bama, at the NFL, for multiple teams for multiple years. Um, that's his kind of thing. And they, Oregon's going to need a guy who can rush off the edge, and Birch is going to be their number one option. So if he's impressing Tosh Lupoy, I think that's a very good sign. Uh, I still predict really good things for Birch in his first year at, in Eugene, and probably, you know, probably if he does as well as I assume he might, uh, probably like his only year in Eugene, he might just do a one and done. Oh, you think that's you think that's on the table a one and done move for him? Like Gonzo, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think he's that talented, and I think his physical frame fits the NFL really well. And uh, if he can prove it at I mean, he was good at South Carolina. He just played a lot of really, really good teams. And if you prove it at Oregon where you play good teams with pretty good offensive linemen, but you just dominate the Pac-12, which I think he could potentially do. It's going to be hard, but uh, I think that he could be a one-and-done guy. Yeah, that's it's probably likely that that happens. Um, NFL scouts will trickle through Eugene throughout the year to, to watch him. And we, yeah, it, it could be the the second year in a row of a Gonzo thing. I'm not, I'm not saying Birch is going to go first round, but, or even top no, 10, yeah. but you know, like that would be a selling point for Oregon too, of, Hey, come to the portal hit, you know, be successful in one year. And our brand can, you know, our love, our league, our level of play can get you into that NFL draft real quickly. Um, it's certainly something that you have to monitor and, you know, it's probably a reason mm-hmm. why they've gone so hard after a lot of high school guys is a, they need to replenish the group, but you, know, you could be losing your top guy in a year at that position. You're going to for Oregon, they're going to be losing their top three or four or guys. Three. Yeah. Oh, more, I mean, they're going to lose just el- eligibility wise, Popo and Dorless. And yep. I think Taki, and then Keon Ware Hudson is going to be a senior as well. I think he'll still have one more year of eligibility, but I don't know. He's been here a long time. So that's at least four guys right there. Um, so they bring in all these these defensive line prospects to hopefully you know, just turn the reins over to. But I wanted to, to quickly note, for Birch and why I'm high on him is because Oregon had a pass rush threat last season. I, I'll give DJ Johnson credit. Two pass rush threats this past offseason. But DJ Johnson was raw at points again he played two full seasons as a tight end so that doesn't help his development as a defensive end uh and then brandon doris was an interior guy more or less and they could double team him and feel confident or the other teams could double team doris and feel confident in their ability to one-on-one block everybody else i don't think that teams are going to feel confident in their ability to one-on-one block jordan birch as often as they would for dj johnson 
which means double teams on Jordan Birch and single teams on Brandon Dorless. Or you have a two-on-one scenario on the other side of the offensive line and the quarterback has to make a play. And depending on who's coming down and tackling the quarterback or attempting to tackle the quarterback, we'll see how often they can make a play. But I think that gives Jordan Birch just being on the field gives opportunities for Brandon Dorless to be impactful. And it gives opportunities for anybody else on the defensive line to be impactful. Um, and if they choose to try and double Dorless because he's having a great game or whatever the case may be, and then that gives an opportunity for Birch to be impactful. And he's a capable pass rusher who can win a one-on-one matchup with finesse or just power. So, uh, I, those are those are just the flat out reasons why I think that he can be really good for this Oregon defense in the upcoming season. All right, let's transition over to Tosh, um, mm-hmm. Oregon's defense coordinator. Will be speaking with us uh, Thursday. At the time of this recording is tomorrow morning, um, and I think there's a lot to unpack here um, with Tosh because a we haven't spoken to Tosh since God um, probably I want to say August of last year. Yeah. So, A, we've got to go back and talk about 2022, his thoughts on just the year, what what transpired, what didn't transpire, um, what why did things maybe not go as successfully in some areas as expected, and what this class that they've added in, whether it's portal guys like a Birch or a high school guy like Mateo or a bunch of other dudes – returners like Dorless or Popo, um, why 2023 will be different from 2022 from a defensive standpoint. And specifically, you know, we've spent, we've spent a lot of time on uh, the front set, you know, the, the defensive line for Oregon on this podcast. But mm-hmm. for me, I, I think my first kind of question with Tosh might almost land with the linebackers and just it's an entirely different group. And this is the group that he coaches. Uh, Noah is obviously gone. Flo is gone. Um, We've seen a couple other departures from the roster, whether it be graduation or transfer. And it's a position group where quite frankly, like there aren't really a lot of guys like, Keith Brown, Justin Jacobs, Jerry Mixon, Devin Jackson, Jeffrey Bossa, Connor Soul, and Harrison Taggart. Like, is that enough? Uh, I, I guess you could maybe throw in a, a Funa and a Winston, a Shipley, a Birch, a Jones as outside edge slash outside linebackers. I don't know. But the pure inside guys, like, what's going to make this group better? Because they had moments last year where they were good and they had moments last year where they were really bad or they were really inconsistently struggling. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know how many good moments they had last season. I'd say probably like the Utah game was a good moment, but yeah, this is a group that again, I think I've voiced concerns about during the original transfer portal period that was open where I feel like they needed to add an extra inside linebacker alongside Justin Jacobs, who I think is a very good player out of Iowa. I think that he can be, be or provide a tremendous amount of depth and versatility up there in that linebacking room. But, you know, Baza had a disappointing season. You didn't see a lot, if anything, from guys like Harrison Taggart and Devin Jackson, their freshman seasons. They didn't play uh, you at did all. see, no, yeah, I mean, 
Devin Jackson. I mean, they played, played, but they didn't play. He played special teams. Like he yeah. was very rarely at a linebacker position on the field. Um, I still have high hopes for him. Still, still on that fan club. But uh, you know, guys like Keith Brown certainly had moments during the Holiday Bowl. He played very well then. Um, I remember my rant after the Holiday Bowl was, "It's one game. Let's see how he does for a full season." Uh, I'm sticking to that, and I'm sticking to the point that I hope. Keith Brown proves me very wrong and that they have a, a legitimate option there from Brown. Um, and then the Jamal Hill factor where maybe he's playing linebacker, maybe he's not. Um, I don't know if we're 100% conclusive on that yet. Yeah. Uh, during mod bracket drills at practice, it's hard to tell who's playing where and what position they're lined up in because they kind of just rotate. So you have like Mace, Fona, Mace Funa coming from like the safety spot. It's very strange. But as a position group, this is certainly one to worry about on the defensive front. I think this is arguably the most worrisome. You can either say that or cornerback, but at least at cornerback, you have a couple names that you know you can either, you know what you're going to get. Jacobs is coming off of a season-ending injury last season at Iowa. Before then, he was an NFL draft prospect, so a guy with a lot of talent who can cover in space pretty well a bigger guy who's athletic, who's agile, who can move around and make tackles and come downhill and attack the quarterback. So I'm very excited to see him at full strength and full pads and see what he can do on the football field. Um, but I think boss is the, the, how do I describe it? I think he's the guy who takes this group to another level or not. And if his, Linebacking play, like Dan said before, spring practice went into a two-week hiatus. He mentioned that a guy like Jeff is going to learn and be a lot better in year two rather than year one. If that rings true, then I think this linebacking group can be pretty good because Bassa has all the physical tools to be a linebacker. Uh, He's much bigger this season already uh, compared to where he was last season. And he was, albeit not as tall as most linebackers, he was still a good-sized guy. But you saw it on the field. He got kind of pushed around at points. And that, I think, with his added weight gain, is going to be a lot harder to do. Jamal Hill also looks like a bigger guy this this spring. Yes. And I don't know if that's just for bulking up in general. Maybe he plans on playing like a low box safety. Or he plans on playing linebacker. And we'll see about that. But those two guys are options where you know they have history as a pass coverage, especially Hill and you know, Jeffrey Bossa was moved off of safety. We've been over that a million times. Uh, but Bossa didn't perform well in pass coverage last season. No linebacker did for Oregon. So I think that's going to be the biggest uh, biggest issue with this group until they prove me and until they prove us, until they prove everybody wrong that they can cover and in, in, uh, in passing down. So I think there's a lot of question marks to ask Tosh about this linebacking group um and it's going to be it already is very strange to see Noah Sewell not run on the field into that group yes um just uh just a different time now a lot of missing faces at this spring camp yeah there's going to be a lot to talk with with Tosh um I, I'm also just curious of just what alterations you know I mean, and this is one that I don't really expect to get an answer from because as the headband of the, of the program, Dan Lanning said on the podcast, like he doesn't answer, he doesn't like answering questions that don't help the Oregon program. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to ask Tosh, I hope we can get this question in of just kind of like how, 
what alterations, what adjustments are you making your one, you know, from year one to year two with this defense? Like where, where, where are the things that are changing with this group? And we probably will get a, you know, Oh, there's, there's lots of stuff that we're changing, but we won't get any kind of specific out of it. But I, I hope we can find some kind of information there of just, is it schematically, Hey, we're, we're going to be throwing more guys in certain positions or we're going to be changing fronts a little bit more. We're going to be more multiple or, you know, something, but, but just kind of learning of what the changes will be from year one to year two with this defense could also be an interesting uh, angle here with, with the defensive coordinator. Yeah. And plus they, they brought in a lot of new guys on that defensive yep. side of the ball for the coaching staff. Uh, Chris Hampton, former defensive coordinator at Tulane. Um, I mean, you still have Demetrius Martin there at cornerback coach, but um, there's a lot of new guys. There's a lot of new faces. Um, Brian Michalowski is an, is an outside linebacker, de defensive analyst. Um, I know I'm forgetting names at this point, but that's going to add new wrinkles to all their defensive sets. Um, and I think that's fine. I think Dan yeah. has talked about that before where uh, they're not sticklers to what they know. And they only want to do that. You know, They want to improve. They want to learn from the game. They want to do what Nick Saban does and say, all right, well, that is beating me. How do I defend that? How do other people defend that? And let me hire those people and see how it works. Um, so I, I think defensively, you know, I'm, I am absolutely not an expert when it comes to football terminology. And I'm sure whatever Tosh says when you ask that question, Matt, is going to sound good. Um, but it's going to be a results-driven process. It's yes. going to be how do you look on the field? And you know, they're going to be tested early, um, and we're going to know whether or not that there are new schematics, that there are changes to the system, because it'll just look exactly the same as last season, where there was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of struggles over the middle, or it's just going to look much different. And I really do think going back – a while ago on the podcast, I really do think that Jordan Birch and Brandon Doris are going to make a big impact on this defense just because they're going to get to the quarterback. If they're able to get to the quarterback, that makes the life of a linebacker, the life of a cornerback or a safety, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot easier on the end of it. So we'll see. Um, I'm just excited to get to talk to Tosh and then Will Stein yeah. on Saturday. It's been never talked to Will Stein, but it's been years, literal years since we've talked to, to Tosh Lupoy. So maybe he'll be in a good mood. Um, Probably no more not. spirit animal questions. <laughs> no, definitely not in a good mood. Uh, no more spirit animal questions for, for Tosh Lupoy this season. Yeah, that, that, that one will go right away. Uh, all right, <laughs> that that's going to do it for us. Well. No, that one's going to, that's going to do it for us here on the odds and audibles podcast, a little defensive focus, but Hey, that's what kind of, Tuesday was about from a question standpoint with Lanning. It's what's coming up on Thursday with Tosh Lupoy. We'll dive into some thoughts offensively. Um, Tashim Johnson, Lanning did give his thoughts on him. Um, when we get Will Stein's comments, I'm assuming we're going to get Bo Nix too on Saturday, uh, possibly, hopefully, crossing our fingers on that one. Uh, maybe, maybe we can get some Ted Johnson comments um, from Stein and Nix to go along with what both. Uh, with what Dan Lanning said. So lots to look forward to on that Friday edition of the show. Uh, until then, you've been listening to the Otson Audibles podcast. Peace. 
Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.